Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. I'm Daryl McMullen, and this is a show dedicated to understanding the human condition, the impact it has on us, how we respond to it, how we can exceed the expectations and limitations of this world, in essence, how we can level up and live lives that serve a higher purpose. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Um, this is Transcend Human, and we're in a series called Controversy Theory, smack dab in the middle somewhere. Uh, I think we've got probably five more episodes to go on this, five or six, and then we'll jump back into just the regular one-off Transcend Human episodes like we were doing prior to this. Um, if you are wondering what controversy theory is all about or why we're doing it, feel free to go back to the first episode, CT01, uh, and, and you can kind of get a recap of what this is and why we're doing it. Um, something I just felt super passionate about getting out there. Uh, it was a book that I wrote back in early 2000. And it's just sat there for many, many, many years. And, you know, just based on the, the things we were talking about when I started Transcend Human, it just kind of came full circle. And it seemed like uh, a good chunk of information that I should really get out there kind of as a foundational piece to help you understand more about Transcend Human and more about uh, the direction that we're heading. So that's what we're doing. Um, and so welcome. Uh, again, it is June 29th. Uh, let's jump into a minute of transparency before we get started. So I was thinking the other day, uh, as I was thinking about Transcend Human and being in this crazy world of, of podcasting, uh, something that I never really saw myself doing, uh, but something I just felt led to do because of the content type and uh, the information that I was going to be putting out there, it just seemed like the perfect medium for it. So I was thinking about that, and I started thinking about the sheer number of podcasts that are out there. Um, and I, I got a little overwhelmed, to be honest. Uh, you know, I feel like you're a, a little fish swimming in a massive ocean. Um, I mean, everyone wants their project to be successful, right? To reach lots of people, to be considered helpful and useful in the world. And I'm no different, uh, but I but I look out there and I see uh, just this massive amount of podcasts, and there's a lot of great ones, you know. Um, there's podcasts that entertain, that inform, that teach, uh, podcasts that offer big ideas, um, some that coach or train, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. And then obviously there's a ton of uh, just probably garbage, you know, stuff that is just out there for shock value or um, one-off topics that just are so niche that they, you know, they don't really impact anyone other than the small little group of people that they're made for. Um, but it's a free country, right? And it's a free world when it comes to podcasting. And so it's it's to the point now where it's pretty simple to get one launched and up and running. And so, you know, that just adds to the sheer number uh, that are out there. 
So when I think about trans and human, you know, my knee-jerk reaction is that it fits into the self-help or the big idea genre of podcasts. Um, after all, controversy theory is a big idea. And, uh, you know, some of the one-off trans and human episodes that we've done kind of have a self-help flavor to them. But is that really all it is? I mean, is that really the goal? And so the more I got to thinking about it, the more I, I thought, you know, maybe maybe transcend human isn't meant to just be in the ocean at all. You know, maybe it's not just meant to be some podcast that, you know, I hope people find and it, you know, gains subscribers and it moves up the charts and it becomes more popular than others. Maybe in this great ocean of podcasts, maybe the whole point of transcend human is to be a lighthouse. So let's, let's talk through that illustration a little bit. So maybe it's a podcast that calls people out of the ocean or out of the sea into a safe harbor where they can dock, replenish their provisions, fuel up, and rest before heading back out. So a lighthouse is meant to be a reference point, right? Something that, you, that helps you navigate through the storms. Uh, something that it doesn't really move, even though you're being tossed about on the ocean. So I started thinking about it that way, and it really helped, right? It's taken the focus off of having to be successful. It kind of removes the need to compete with other podcasts. And I've, I've realized that it's less about being an entrepreneur and more about me doing what only I can do. So I'm, I've started to see how each, you know, each of us has something unique to give back to the world. And if we choose not to share that unique thing, then the world simply misses out on it. You know, it's, it's not like somebody else is going to do it for you uh, if it's the one unique thing that you can do. So this kind of gave me a whole new appreciation and focus uh, when it comes to the podcast. So I've been able to view it, you know, more as a passion project or a, a labor of love, if you will. And I can't tell you how much fun uh, it's been, you know, now that I've been able to kind of view it that way. Um, it's just been an incredible experience. It's been a lot of fun being here with you, working through these ideas uh, each week. So I want to thank you, you know, for for hanging out with me. Uh, thank you for allowing me a few minutes of reflection there. So let's jump into the content for today. So last week we finished up our conversation about God, His game plan, uh, His weapon in the controversy, uh, which is our conscience, and then we jumped into Satan and Satan's game plan, which is revenge. And today we, we dive into the weapon that Satan chooses to use in the controversy, which, it, which is uh, temptation. So today's basic assumption is that every person is tempted. And we're going to walk through, we're going to define temptation. Uh, we're going to talk about the roles that Satan plays in the temptation process. And then we're going to wrap things up with our conscience being the playground. So number one, temptation defined. Uh, Dictionary.com, if you go there and you look up temptation, it basically says the act of tempting, enticement, or allurement. Something that tempts, entices, or allures. The fact or state of being tempted, especially to evil. And then if you back up and just look at the root word, tempt, uh, it says to entice or allure to do something often regarded as unwise, wrong, or immoral, to attract, appeal strongly, or to invite. So we're going to talk a lot more about that, um, not only today, but in the next uh, episode as well. 
as we kind of talk through what temptation is and, and how Satan employs it uh, to, to basically pull us away from God. And so temptation, let's start with kind of where it comes from, right? And, and a couple of the, the different types of temptation buckets, if you will. So temptations come in the following ways. First of all, there are internal temptations. So these are these are basically dialogues within our heads, right? They're battles or debates that we have with ourselves over doing the right thing. Deciding if we want to be better than average or if we want to transcend human, if you will, um, or just maintain our basic human nature. The decisions to pick the, the good option over the not so good option, uh, it, it may not even have anything to do with Satan, to tell you the truth. These are potentially even just temptations that we create for ourselves. Um, you know, Satan may not be physically pushing an idea into your head, and yet in our minds we're battling over this thing because we just know that there's probably a best practice or a uh, best-case scenario within each decision that we have to make. Uh, maybe it's a battle over something that we were taught as a child, something that has to do with a controversy, uh, and yet, or, or may have nothing to do with the controversy, uh, and yet we feel tempted to change our belief or do something differently instead. So let's look at a few examples of, of internal um, temptations. So something as simple as deciding whether or not to eat a few more M&Ms. Let's say you've had, you know, a really small handful and you just want like three or four more, right? Um, so if you're eating M&Ms in moderation, like, is there really an issue if you have a couple more? But yet, you know, for some people, this is an internal temptation, an internal dialogue that goes through their head. Another one, should I watch an episode of TV or should I, uh, you know, work on a blog post or something? So, you know, this internal struggle with deciding whether or not to be a consumer or a contributor. Another one, uh, you know, when cleaning the bathroom, should I just wipe it down or should I actually get down to get out the chemicals and really get, get to town on it, right? So that's just more an issue of, you know, perfectionism or doing something the right way or the wrong way. Um, you know, that whole phrase, if you're going to do something, do it well. You know, I don't, there is some spiritual element to that, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's not something that Satan is just sitting there all day long pushing you to, uh, to, to do poorly. Uh, and then finally, something like, you know, should we eat at this restaurant, which is a little uh, more expensive than the other one? Or should we, you know, save some money and just eat at this other restaurant? So, you know, again, the internal dialogue you have with yourself because you know there's probably a better way to do it or a better option um, and so you wrestle with that question in your head. So again, some of these temptations, you know, start to get into the spiritual realm, but for, for most of them, you know, they're simply temptations that we, we create in our head, uh, and we're basically trying to choose the lesser of, um, or the temptation rather is to choose the lesser of two good things, right? So in other words, eating five M&Ms versus three M&Ms at the end of the day is not going to have an impact on you spiritually. However, if you made that good decision and ate less M&Ms over time, uh, in the long run, at the end of a year, imagine how much less you would have eaten, which I'm sure your body would thank you for. 
So those are internal. Um, now let's talk about external. And external we can kind of split into two, two buckets. So we've got external worldly and then external um, directly from Satan or his demons. So let's talk about the worldly external temptations. So these are, these are temptations that we see, experience, or are presented to us in some way. So these are things that Satan and his demons may or may not uh, specifically be putting in your way. There's a good chance that they influenced the existence of these things in the future or in the past. However, they may not directly be putting them in your path um, today. So for example, uh, Satan may not directly manipulate your phone to display inappropriate material, but over the years, he's masterfully manipulated people, systems, and technology so that pornography, for example, is rampant. And it, um, and in doing so, he knows that at some point it may work its way onto your device. So by working at the meso level, like we talked about last week, uh, he can indirectly impact you on the micro level. So another good example of this is, uh, you know, being tempted toward being greedy, right? The desire to have more or to be wealthier than others, to have the perfect career, the big house, the fast car, all of those things. Uh, you know, Satan may not be directly tempting you to feel this way or to have these thoughts, but he has masterfully manipulated the society, the society that we live in. Now I'm specifically talking about the United States right now, but he's, you know, influenced things so that uh, there is a huge di uh, disparity between those who have and those who don't. Um, and, you know, we, we just call it capitalism and, um, you know, the freedom to, to create and to be our own people. Um, however, he has really taken advantage of that, that cultural norm and that disparity that exists between those who have and those who don't. So on the outside, you know, it looks genuine. You know, we're, we live in a country of opportunity with, with hard work where you should get rewarded. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, the sky's the limit. Why shouldn't you want to have what the wealthy have? Um, do they deserve it more than you? Of course not. So get what you deserve in life. Um, you know, that's you know, that's kind of the the American dream, right? But at some point, you know, it can take over. And, and it can become a temptation. And the temptation can win out in, in a variety of negative ways. So for some, you know, maybe it means they become workaholics. They try to get to the top uh, at the expense of their family or at the expense of their health or their mental health. Uh, for others, it might uh, involve trying to circumvent the hard work by stealing or robbing banks or something. Um, others may try to get rich quick, you know, things like gambling or, or the lottery stuff like that. And still others, you know, may, may wind up addicted to drugs or alcohol because they don't feel like they have enough or that they will ever get enough. Now I know that's pretty bleak, right? It's a pretty bleak way to explain uh, that temptation. But again, it's all part of Satan's plan. He's worked at the macro level and the meso levels, knowing that it will have a trickle down effect on everyone at the micro level. And then finally, we have the more traditional temptations, you know, the ones we tend to think about when we hear the word temptation. So these are external temptations that come directly from Satan or his damaging demons. So these are external as well, because they are obviously coming from outside your physical body. However, 
you know, they are thoughts and they are impressions that directly make their way into your conscience and are pushed there by Satan and his demons. So like I said, you know, these are the more traditional, um, the more traditional view of temptation, right? Like the kind of like the cartoon character with a red suit and the tail and the little horns that sits on your shoulder and whispers evil ideas into your ear. Uh, you know, these are direct temptations that take, that ask you to take the low road, to do the wrong thing, to hurt others, to break the law, to go down, uh, to go back on your commitments, things like that. Uh, this is true micro, micro level spiritual warfare. Um, it's mano y mano. It's one-on-one, you know, Satan working to get you to choose his way over God's way in the controversy. And there are countless ways that this plays out, right? So, you know, the temptation to start pursuing your secretary when you're already a married man, uh, the temptation to look at pornography because no one else is around, uh, the temptation to just take that money from the company because they'll never know, uh, the temptation to throw someone under the bus uh, for something that you did in order for you to come out on top. And the list goes on and on and on. It's endless. So those are kind of the, the categories that, that I see temptation coming in, you know, internal, external, external through the world and through things that you see, and then external actual temptations being pushed into your conscience by Satan and or his uh, damaging demons. Number two, the roles Satan plays. So in this final category of temptation, you know, the one where Satan and his demons are actively working to get you to do something. There's actually a tried and true method to their madness, right? There's a method that they've developed. And in each temptation scenario, uh, you'll, you'll notice that they play four distinct roles in order to get you to do what they want. So here are the four roles, uh, and then we'll, we'll kind of walk through each one. So number one is the entrepreneur. Uh, number two is the analyst. Number three is the cheerleader. And then number four is the prosecutor. So the entrepreneur is the first role that, that Satan plays. He loves to stir the pot, concoct traps, uh, manipulate situations, invent evil. Uh, his work ethic and marketing strategies make the sin business a force to be reckoned with. Uh, and his mind works much faster than ours. In fact, if the sin business were to go public, there would be no limit to its potential for growth and development on Wall Street. Satan is 100% in the spiritual warfare business. And we are powerless without the help of the Holy Spirit working through our conscience. So Satan invents the temptation. He crafts the circumstances and he presents it in such a way that we are naturally drawn to it, right? He has a personality that won't quit. He uses all the right sales techniques and the cost always appears reasonable at first glance. So there it is, the temptation right in front of us, in front of our eyes, running through our mind uh, as if we asked it to be there. And just like that, we have to make a choice. And this is when Satan shifts roles. So he moves from being the entrepreneur and becomes the analyst. It happens so quickly that we hardly even notice. Satan begins with things like, well, hello there. It looks like you're working on something. Mind if I help? And of course, he doesn't wait for an answer. He simply plops down beside you and he begins to analyze your options. Uh, he helps us see the the positives and, and actually makes the negatives seem bearable. Then he goes back to the positives and he stays there for a lot longer than really needed. But he sounds knowledgeable and his suggestions are exactly what we want to hear in the end. He explains how no one will really even know if we make this decision anyways. 
and he offers very valid reasons why we should be able to do it. After all, who really has the right to tell us what to do? Uh, He tells us how much fun it will be, and then he reminds us again that no one even has to know. Or maybe he uses two of his favorite approaches. Have you ever heard these ones before? Just try it once. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it again. Or there's this one. Uh, this will be the last time. You know, Then you can stop doing it after this time. Once again, the analyst has worked his magic, and then he completely shifts into the cheerleader. The cheerleader is hilarious. He's the life of the party. He's the first to arrive, the last to leave. He never sleeps, and he has tried everything at least once. By now, we've kind of made our decision, right? Based on the philosophical conversation with the analyst, we go ahead and decide to do what the entrepreneur presented to us. Now, the cheerleader becomes our best friend, right? He takes one look at us and says, "Ah, you and I are going places. I think we're really going to like each other. Uh, He joins in the fun, and before you know it, we are knee-deep in something that we shouldn't be knee-deep in. In fact, the cheerleader, if the cheerleader wasn't there, uh, we begin to wonder if the activity would be half as much fun. But he is there, and it seems like we're having a blast, at least until it's over. And when it is, things go quiet. There's no laughing, no carrying on. The cheerleader is gone. And that's when Satan moves to his final role and his favorite one, the prosecutor. The prosecutor enters the room, and this little guy makes your skin crawl. He looks like a slumlord, an ambulance chaser, and a bad cop all rolled into one. He has two jobs, and he has mastered each. First, he uses the old guilt trip. So after we sin, the prosecutor steps up to the microphone and reports the bad news. Wow, I can't believe you fell for that one. You're an idiot. God would never forgive you for that, and he certainly wouldn't want someone like you in heaven. He keeps pressuring us over our bad decision uh, and, and kind of plays off of the guilt that we feel. He's relentless, and he keeps pushing and pushing and pushing until we reach a dangerous emotion known as shame. This was his intended outcome all along. Shame is a deadly emotion that often leads to an irrational thought pattern or belief system. It tells us that we're unworthy of God's love, and if left unchecked, it can increase the separation between us and our Creator. It isn't God walking away from us because of what we've done. We're the ones walking away from God. We can become so conned into believing that we don't deserve God's love that we turn and actually walk in a different direction. Making it even worse is that we put that distance between us and God. Satan understands the debilitating effect that shame has on the human race, so he goes the extra mile to make sure we feel the true weight of it after every bad decision we make. Number three, our conscience the playground. So is that it? Are we just doomed to make mistakes because Satan is so powerful and so good at getting us to stray from our intended course? Of course not. Uh, We have to go back and we have to listen to the two episodes on God's game plan. First, that he has a rescue mission put in place and that he has created the antidote to the sin virus through Jesus and that his weapon in the controversy is our conscience. So let's start with the second part, that our weapon is the conscience. This is our, our tool to keep us from getting into hot water in the first place. The conscience is that little portion of our brains where spiritual warfare takes place. And Satan is not the only one allowed to be there. 
The Holy Spirit is also there to help us see what Satan is trying to do. He is there to correct Satan's lies and to be supportive as we stand up to him and say no to the temptation that he is presenting. Now, obviously, it isn't that simple, right? The conscience has this thing, what I, uh, kind of what I call a strength factor, uh, and it's on a continuum from weak to strong. So people who have never even heard of God or the Holy Spirit, you know, people who are far from God, uh, would basically be at the weak end of the spectrum and would be much more likely to give in uh, to the things that Satan is presenting to them. People who know God, people who understand the, the Holy Spirit and the controversy, uh, are more open to the working of the Holy Spirit, and so would tend to be more on the strong end of the conscience spectrum. And they should be able to withstand the workings of Satan and his demons more accurately. However, even people on the strong end of the spectrum are not perfect, nor will they ever be. The Bible makes it very clear, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And this is the reason for the second part, the part about the rescue mission and the antidote to the sin virus. The truth is, we all need the antidote, you know, even those who have a strong conscience and are able to make pretty good decisions the majority of the time. Without the antidote, all of those good decisions would just be short-lived, meaningless, and worthless to our eternal existence. Sure, they may help the, uh, the world be a better place while we're here, but when it comes to us living forever with our Creator, they're just meaningless. So let's end things on a good note. right? We've talked about this before. On the surface, when we talk about Satan and the powerful impact he has on Earth and on us, we can get a bit jaded. We can start to look at God and take Satan as equals, locked in a dangerous battle with the outcome in question. But we must not allow ourselves to think that way. This is exactly what Satan wants us to think, because it makes his temptations that much more tempting. But the truth is this. Satan, no matter how much power he seems to have on this planet, will not prevail in the eternal election. At the end of time, he will lose everything. There's just no way a created being can beat the one who created him. And that's a good thing. Right? If, if we were able to maintain this view of Satan, it weakens him a lot, and it makes us stronger. So I wanted to end with an illustration uh, from the Harry Potter series. Um, for those of you who have seen it or read the books, uh, you know that Voldemort is the, the evil villain, and he appears to be very strong. Uh, those following him often do so out of fear, and those not following him often fear him so much that they won't mention his name. However, there is a weakness, right? Albus Dumbledore knew of the weakness and helped Harry Potter see the truth behind Voldemort's power, which was that Voldemort was only alive because small pieces of him were stored in objects called Horcruxes. And all you have to do to defeat Voldemort is find each Horcrux and destroy it. The more of them you destroy, the weaker Voldemort becomes. So as Harry learned this truth and began to destroy each Horcrux, he saw that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. He began to see that Voldemort's power was built on an illusion. And so it is with Satan. He wants us to believe that he is as powerful as God. But when we understand the truth about him, we see that there is only one outcome, just like there was for Voldemort. Okay, so let's land the plane. This week, I want you to ask yourself these questions. Have you ever thought about temptation in that way before? Or have you ever thought about it at all? Uh, if not, 
uh, does it make sense to you how it works? And that this is Satan's tool in the controversy? Uh, what temptations have you faced recently in your life? Are there temptations that you experience on a regular basis? And finally, are you able to view Satan like you do Voldemort? Are you able to see his weaknesses and that he is not able to win in the end? Next week, we move forward and learn a little bit more about the various ways we are tempted. Uh, the 10th basic assumption is that temptation comes in many different flavors. Uh, again, I, I thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy the content and that you're getting some stuff out of it. Again, tell others about it if you if you have a chance. Feel free to rate us on Apple Podcasts and give us a, a review. Uh, that always helps kind of bump us up and, and help us get found easier in the podcast store. So that's it. Thanks again. I hope you have a great week. Uh, until next time, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find ways to contact us and how to access social media channels. If you like the show, you can help us by doing the following. First, tell a few friends about the show. Uh, there's nothing better than word-of-mouth marketing. Second, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, this will make it easier to find the show and encourage others to check us out. Uh, thanks again for subscribing, and we'll see you next time.